0: First Point Guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. you're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. The Blazers have played two real games to begin the Orlando restart schedule, the seeding games at Disney World. We're going to talk about them both today. If you are new to the program or you are rejoining the program, I want to remind you that this is not the place for game recaps. Those exist somewhere else on the internet, and I'm sure somewhere else in the pod space. If you want a game recap, you will not find that here, but I do want to share some thoughts about the first two games. The Blazers beat the Memphis Grizzlies in what they termed their most important game of the season, then turned around and lost to a very good Boston Celtics team. So we'll talk about those two games today. Before we get into it further, just a reminder for new listeners or those of you jumping back in, because I realize basketball has restarted after four and a half months off. Uh, We do things here in three parts. The first part today, I want to talk a little bit about Yusuf Nurkic. Segment number two, we'll talk about Gary Trent Jr. And the the third segment, we will close the show talking about some odds and ends. Some guys, uh, some little minor notes I've noticed from the first two games in the bubble. We'll touch on everything that happened. You'll get all your news. You'll get it in a bite-sized format like we do Keep these shows under 30 minutes coming at you multiple times every week. That's how it works. Enough preamble. Let's get into it. The big headline is absolutely of Nurkic. He's back 464 days since he last played in regular season quote-unquote nba basketball game i'm not sure these are regular season games but they're definitely not postseason games they're irregular season games but have been 464 days since he had played an nba basketball game that counted in the standings and he was just magnificent against the memphis grizzlies he was he was just so 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 good after 15 and a half months off the Bosnian beast had 18 points, 9 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals, 6 blocks in 33 minutes before fouling out in a game the Blazers won in overtime. That's right, I'm reading box scores again because the game's counts, time to read box scores. Nurkic looked fantastic. He looked all the way back. He looked all the way back in those scrimmages, so I'm not I don't want to like say, "Oh, you know, this this Grizzlies game was this watershed moment, but it made you appreciate how much they missed him. He was that good. I thought Hassan Whiteside. We'll talk a little bit more him in the third segment. But I don't. I think he 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 looks bad in this game. He, he struggled a little bit against Jonas Valanciunas and didn't, didn't get a ton of minutes. Uh, all the Blazers bigs had foul trouble, so we 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 got a very brief look at Hassan Whiteside and Yusuf Nurkic together. We thought I thought maybe we'd get eight minutes of that every game so far we've gotten like three total minutes of it but that had to do with matchups and foul foul issues we may see it again when the Blazers play against other big teams but not only was Yusuf Nurkic fantastic on the court after the Grizzlies game he shared that his grandmother uh, who's 67 years old named Hannah and lives in Bosnia Nurk revealed that for a week he had known that his grandmother had contracted COVID-19 and was during the game against the Grizzlies in a coma in the hospital. This is a very heavy thing to play with. Um, The story, how he explained it is that basically she was sick and really didn't want to go to the hospital. And he was FaceTiming with her. Um, I believe that because Nurk is literally always on FaceTime whenever I see him. Uh, But he was FaceTiming with his grandma and basically said, if you don't go to the hospital and like really take this seriously, I'm gonna leave the bubble. I'm gonna leave Orlando and fly back home and make sh- and take you there myself. So then, Nurk had to carry this heavy burden, this heavy news, with him for a week. He said he found out the previous Friday. This uh, Grizzlies game game was played last Friday, and I think it it speaks to what kind of guy Nurk is. Is that he could have he didn't he carried this very privately. Um, he didn't. He just. He didn't make broadcast this really publicly. Carmelo Anthony in his post game interview didn't even know about it. He shared it with Damian Lillard, much someone he's much closer with on the team. It's that's how co workers work, that's not a big surprise either. But it was it's telling that sort of what the kind of guy that that Nurk is he's committed to his family because he's the guy who's urging his grandmother to you know. T- take this seriously he seemed very upset obviously as as many of us would be about this but he's also just he's he he's balancing that commitment to the organization he said he considered leaving orlando but um ultimately decided to to stay with the team uh it's it's something that just from a media perspective or a fan perspective you just don't see we don't know what these guys are going through personally and uh you could tell that Nurk, when he was kind of talking to the media, he had he he shared it and then he shared this information about his his grandmother and then he immediately was like, "Oh no, I'm drawing too much attention to myself." And I thought that really stuck with me was like, "I don't want attention for this." He said it multiple times in his in his interview. Um, it, these are like Zoom press conferences that are that are all over. You know, like any any national reporter can get in or any uh, news station can get in. So he he realized that you know he's kind of speaking to a larger audience than just the video screen he's talking into, and he says. You know, I don't, I don't want all this attention for this. I just want to say like, you know, wear, wear your mask. (laughs) Um, and, but you could tell, um, you could tell this was a heavy moment for him. He really wanted to return. He's been preparing for this moment for, you know, 15 months, 14 and a half months, 15 and a half months, a long time. This moment of getting back on the court was so important for him. So carrying that burden that he's going through this family trauma was, is, it's just a challenge that you don't see. It's a challenge that is hard for observers, be they media or fans, um, to really, to really understand and to totally grasp. So I, I, I thought that game against Memphis, not only, you know, just watching it during the game, it's like, wow, Yusuf Nurkic is so good. And then after the game, you kind of, it it takes on a, a, a heavier feel to it, certainly does without a really artful transition here. Uh, Nurk was really good in, in the Blazers' second game. They lost to the Celtics, got down big, down 24, um, and then charged all the way back and actually took a lead late in the fourth quarter before ultimately losing. But the, the reason that they were within shouting distance, down 19 at halftime, is because Nurk was so good. He was fantastic in that game, too. He just is solid as hell against Boston. 30 points... 9 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals in a block in 32 minutes like he's just Nurk is balling. Even with the weight of this family trauma, he did update reporters after the game that his grandmother from what he understands is out of the coma and doing a little bit better, awake and doing better. So we're hearing good news from Yusuf Nurkic, but this is, you know, that's that, that's still a very difficult thing to deal with, particularly from a distance. So um, that's, that's not something that's sort of over and done with by any means, but Yusuf Nurkic just looks really good. Uh, I think if there's, you know, I'm kind of thinking about this, this today's episode is what we've learned from two games in the bubble. And so far, what we've learned from you, from Nurk is that dude is back and looks good. He, he can really, he's, I've been talking him up on this podcast, but even he's, he's, surpassed my expectations, surpassed my kind of, I guess the way to say it is he's beyond what I anticipated. I thought he'd be good, but he's been better than that. All right, second segment, we're going to shift gears. You got your NERC headline, you got your NERC info. There's more, Yusuf's been so good, we're going to talk about him all week this week. Um, So, he didn't just get his eight minutes in the sun. Nurk is a big. He's he was always a big part of this team, but his return has really hammered that home for me. Just he is he is a true, true, true building block. A a young star getting better and a perfect complement to Damian Lillard. He him and him and Dame's just pick and roll chemistry is just it. It's so obvious when you watch him play. But now I've even gone longer on Nurk. Couldn't even I couldn't even transition out of talking about Nurk to talk about the next thing because I want I got more Nurk content in me, y'all. So we'll t- we'll talk about it more uh, later this week. We got more episodes coming. The Blazers playing more games. There's going to be more Nurk to discuss. But what I want to talk about in the second segment is another Blazer who has really shined in the Orlando restart. But before we do that, I want to tell y'all about CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient, easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. And... CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and Vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. Doesn't this sound like something you need? Take care of your body? Sounds like something I need, so here's what we're going to do. To make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBD CBD CBDMD makes, they're offering all of my listeners 25% off when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, and the promo code is NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oils from CBDMD. All right. So we talked about Yusuf Nurkic, a man playing through some... Difficult family trauma and absolutely bawling as he processes a certainly a hard time in his personal life. Now I was going to use this space to talk about Damian Lillard who did not look physically right in game one of the Blazers restart and still finish with 29-5-5 because five five, the dude is just a baller. I was going to use this space to maybe talk about CJ McCollum who had a monster game against Memphis and then followed that up with a relatively quiet night. Let me sum up my thoughts on the Blazers' two stars. The team needs them both to be very good. That is the burden of this team. And we'll touch a little bit more on this in the third segment, but they, we, I, could, I could do full shows on their performances, obviously, if you want to go blow by blow, but the basics is that the Blazers need Dame to be really good and need CJ to be really good. Every team needs their best players to play best. That is that's, that's um, that is really the trick here in the NBA. Have your best players be at the peak of their games. But the person I want to talk about here in the second segment is none other than Gary Trent Jr. G. Trent, the second-year guard that got just unknowably better in the four-month hiatus. He basically he said it coming into the bubble that it's like he's kind of viewing this as year three and he looks like a third year Blazer guard the type of guards that break out against Memphis Gary Trent Jr 17 points on 5 of 8 shooting made 4 or 5 of his threes and most importantly in overtime the Blazers needed someone to check Grizzly star John Morant and the person who got the call was Gary Trent Jr and he had some big plays a block on Morant where he ended up getting a tech for uh, yelling in a quiet gym. It was a weird game in which the refs gave out a lot of tax for yelling in a quiet gym. Uh, but he also had a, a, a poked the ball away and got a steal from Morant late. And just hounded him, made life tough. And and beyond those, you know, beyond the he got a steal, he got a block. Like beyond the box score stuff, he was the person on the roster tasked with guarding the team's best player. I I don't think John Morant was the grizzlies best player all season long but he was probably their most dangerous player down the stretch and the guy who was leading the attack and the person who was charged with making things harder for the grizzlies at the point of attack gary trent jr that's a big assignment and he was really really good uh in a game that came down to the wire and the blazers uh you know they almost pulled away but ended up winning by five gary trent plus 20 he was he was just really really good. They were better with him on the court. He closed the game at crunch time, and then against the Celtics again, when things went awry in the first half, uh, the the uh, Blazers just couldn't stop the Celtics. Uh, we'll talk about more of that of that in the third segment. But they when they dis- when they made their run to come back, and some of it is just like you're on the court when Damian Lillard gets really good, and Dame was red hot. Uh, Particularly early in the fourth quarter in that game, to really just say, "Okay, here we go. I'm gonna we're gonna get on my back, get on the magic carpet and ride. Let's go." But Gary Trent Jr. was a guy in the court. He was a guy in the court in crunch time again in that in that game. Um, he didn't get. He got a little bit of the Jason Tatum assignment, um, which was he and Tatum was given the the Blazers fits. But it's more than just the stats stuff and against, against the Celtics, Gary Trent hit seven of 11 threes. A really funny thing that's happened is that he's 11 of 16 from three in two games and one for four from two. He's made one of four twos and three of five th- free throws. It's like Gary Trent Jr. Can't make any other shots except threes, but he can't miss three pointers right now. He's just balling some really big threes to keep the blazers uh, in shouting distance there. Um, against the Celtics as as Dame really brought them back and he again he played in this crucial lineup he played down the stretch they closed the game with Dame, CJ, Gary Trent Jr, Mello and and Nurk like they they went somewhat small or just they went to like uh, that three guard look um because Trent cuz Gary is is the their best option Gary Trent Jr., in a lot of ways, to me, is the story of the bubble for the Blazers because they have found a staying, someone with real staying power to thicken out the rotation. Now, he's not this big, versatile wing. He's not this 6'8 with long arms, sort of ideal partner to play next to Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. He's not, he is not that. But what he is is a bulldog and someone who can really shoot it. And if you can shoot it and you play competitive defense, and Gary Trent Jr. is not faking the funk, we're talking about now maybe 25 consecutive games where he has looked like a really legitimate NBA player. To me, he's the story of the bubble. Story of the, I've, been, I've said bubble like three times and I've been trying to avoid it. I apologize. He's the story of the Orlando restart. He's been that good. He really has been. That's why we carved out room to highlight Gary Trent. Could have highlighted a lot of other guys. Carmelo Anthony, great down the stretch against the Memphis Grizzlies. And hasn't really been exploited as a as a really weak link. Um, the whole Blazers defense has maybe been exploited a little bit, but I don't think it's specifically Carmelo Anthony in a way that maybe you and I had thought. Certainly I was a little bit worried about it could have talked about Dame, who was was fantastic and played really good defense, uh, at least individual defense. He was committed to it. Really good is probably an overstatement. He played competitive defense against Jason Tatum. We could have used this space to talk about CJ McCollum, who put together one of his classic big game performances against Memphis. But we use this space to talk about Gary Trent Jr. because he deserved it. The story of Orlando so far is that the Blazers have found a second-year guard, a second-round gem in the draft who can really play. Gary Trent Jr. Is, is he's just solid as hell. And the Blazers are, they desperately need him. All right, in the third segment, come back and uh, close out the show talking about kind of odds and ends. I've hinted at some stuff I want to talk about, but just some sort of notes from the notebook. We've done this a couple times here. Um, just some things that I think we got to touch on after two games in the bubble as we try to figure out what we've learned. But before we get there, I want to tell y'all about RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business that has been serving customers online for 20 years. They have everything you need, from engine control modules and brake parts, to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks by using their unique and remarkably easy-to-navigate online catalog. You can quickly see all the parts they have available and you can choose the brands and specifications and best of all, the prices you prefer. You know those prices? Well, at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low and they're the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com still a pass first point guard still Mike Richmond, you're still listening to Lockdown Blazers and we're still talking about what we learned from two games in Orlando we're still going to keep learning the Blazers have six more games at Disney World at least so we're, we're not done learning but what we've learned so far we've learned the use of Nurkic as a baller learned that Gary Trent Jr. has real staying power dude can shoot it and can get after it on defense and those are valuable things for the blazers he is a a really really nice complement to what they already have a a, a role player that really makes sense with what they want to do what i want to do to close out the show though is kind of some odds and ends some some important notes um just some things i've learned from my notebook and this one y'all physical notebook i wrote these down in it with using a pen on a piece of paper so I think one of the key takeaways is that Terry Stotts has treated these games like straight-up playoff games. Damon CJ on Sunday against the Boston Celtics, a game that did not go into overtime, played 44 minutes. For those of you doing math at home, that means each of them rested for roughly four minutes. And more than that... More than just playing your stars a bunch, because if you listen to this podcast, you know that I was saying they're going to play 40 minutes a night. I kind of meant 40, like 4-0, not like a number in the 40s, but, you know, a number in the 40s is, is 40 minutes a night, I guess. But Terry has, he shrunk the rotation. He is playing eight guys. And against the Celtics, he functionally played seven guys. But what's interesting is the person who's on the outside is Anthony Simons. Ah, yes, the one-time golden boy, Anthony Simons, who was the greatest player Neil Olshey had ever drafted, is now out of the rotation as the Blazers make a push for the playoffs. That isn't, I'm not dunking on Anthony Simons here. I've said this a bunch. I'll say it again to make it clear. It was unfair to place those expectations on him. He has a chance to be a perfectly good NBA player. The Blazers just they just put him on too high of a pedestal before he was ready. And he didn't live up to unfair expectations beyond that. He was, he like the advanced numbers. His, it's like he has the worst real plus minus of any shooting guard in the NBA. He just, he just wasn't ready for it. But plenty of 20 year olds who are playing their first real season in the NBA after playing zero minutes as rookies, wouldn't be ready for it. There are more Anthony Simons than Gary Trent's and And it doesn't necessarily mean Anthony Simons is not ready for a future role here when a new season begins in December, should should it shake out that way. But what it does mean is that he has been chosen to not be a contributor just yet for the Blazers. The person who is number eight right now in the rotation, the uh, Blazers are starting Dame, CJ, Carmelo, Anthony, Zach Collins, Yusuf Nurkic, with Gary Trent Jr. and Hassan Whiteside off the bench. Number eight is Mario Hazonia. Who, in true Huzonia fashion, has had one good half between four halves available to him in Orlando? And that one good half, boy, did it feel golden, y'all. Mario Hazonia making three-pointers, making good decisions, playing competitive defense, not turning the ball over by over-dribbling or trying to be too aggressive or making a crazy pass. Mario Hazonia playing competent basketball for that first half against the Memphis Grizzlies. It felt so sweet. Then I don't think he had a very good... Second half against Memphis kind of regressed back to... He's just inconsistent. It happens. Um, And he played only, made a brief first-half appearance against the Celtics and was super extra bad and did not play in the second half. The Blazers played just seven dudes in the second half. Damian Lillard played every single minute after halftime. I think it's an important takeaway, not because, oh my gosh, Anthony Simons isn't playing. I think it's an important takeaway because it shows you how... For, how for real for real they are taking this this push they, they are just saying they had talked about it and now they're they're walking the talk they, they said these were going to be playoff games well hell yeah they're treating them like playoff games that means your stars play a ton of minutes and you do not play anyone who hurts no negatives you can get some minutes if you are a neutral but you cannot play if you are a negative so um Simons has had a lot of negative minutes for the Blazers this year. He's just not part of the plan. They have two. their best two players are guards. Gary Trent Jr. is balling. Adding a fourth guard to the mix doesn't help them. Also, they need to find minutes on the wing for Carmelo Anthony. He's playing uh, the majority, I'd say, without looking it up, seventy-five percent, maybe eighty percent of his minutes at small forward. So that's, it, it's hard to find other spots. And Hazonia has been the choice. Hazonia has been the guy. Um, it, it speaks to it speaks to how, for real, the Blazers are taking this. They they they've definitely come in with this playoff mentality against the. Celtics, they certainly could have folded down nineteen at the half, down twenty-four late in the second quarter. I think it's about four minutes left in the second quarter, down twenty-four. They definitely could have that could have been it. They could have said, Okay, cool. We stink today. But they charged all the way back. Damien Lillard was fantastic in that charge back, and they treated it like a playoff game, treated it like a must-win. instead of saying let's give it you know six good minutes after halftime and if we're not close we'll say screw it they said let's make a charge let's get within seven let's get with you know get within 15 first then get within seven then get within you know and they they push it all the way back the uh the rotation thing is is important because it speaks to to how much they care care is probably the wrong term no shit they care about the basketball games but how much they uh, realize that these you don't, they can't waste any of these games and they certainly just can't waste any of the minutes. That's, that's what it shows. Uh, other observations. Like I said, no, very, very little, um, white side, Nurkic minutes next to each other. It was a thing Terry Stotts kind of said he wanted to try and said he was, they were definitely going to see some minutes together. He gave it a very brief run early. It was the first sub actually against the Grizzlies. Grizzlies play big. It's a perfect team to try, try it out against. Um, but then, uh Nurk was in foul trouble, Zach Collins was in foul trouble, Hassan Whiteside was in foul trouble. Uh Carmelo Anthony eventually found himself in foul trouble in a whistle happy game. So we just didn't see it. And then against the uh Celtics, the Celtics just don't. They they don't really play too bigs ever. They sort of play two bigs in the with Grant Williams coming off the bench, but not like traditional big men. Grant Williams like six five. He just plays like a big guy. Um so it just wasn't a good option for it. That said, Hassan Whiteside playing less than uh, 18 minutes a night, playing like 17 and some change a night. And I think he looked really bad against Memphis. Uh, I don't think he was much better against the Celtics, but he did have some, he was on the court during some crucial minutes and made some, He he wasn't, um, he was he was a non-negative, I would say, in those minutes. Um, his plus-minus is good because Damian Lode was just reigning in three-pointers. But um, I worry that Hassan Whiteside is not physically okay. He just looks slow to me. He's always a little slow, right? Like, that's kind of his thing. But he looks like he might not be physically right. He was dealing with that left Achilles and calf issue, and I um, as much as I'm a white side hater and I want to say like him playing poorly is just like, because he's not good. I don't think that, I think maybe he's just not, t- not hundred percent. Um, obviously he's not on like the injury report or anything like that, but I, he just, to me, he just doesn't look right. The last thing I want to talk about, uh, and this is, this is just one of those things I don't want to harp on because like, duh, if, if you follow the games, you, y'all kind of know, y'all know what's up. You've, You've watched this team a lot, probably. You you know, they played 66 regular season games. I bet you caught a handful of them to know the secret I'm about to share with you, and that's that their defense on the perimeter is a absolute nightmare. Against the Grizzlies, it was Jaron Jackson Jr., a stretchy big who can really, really shoot it, a truly unique player. Uh, Grizzlies fans joke that he is a 7-foot Klay Thompson. Duke can really shoot it, hit five threes. Killed the Blazers. And I kind of chalked it up to, you know, playing this weird big lineup. They've never been good guarding stretchy bigs. It's a problem. But they're also bad in transition, picking up guys. I think that's a problem with the big lineup. I also just think it's a problem with who they are on defense. I don't think it's that I I I know a lot of people want to point to. It schematically it's it's a stats thing and that certainly has something to do with it dropping in pick and roll coverage allows teams to occasionally step into easy three pointers on pick and rolls unquestionably that's part of it but i also think it's just like personnel and some mistakes and some some just bad decision making by the players on the court it is a combination of Maybe a scheme issue and certainly a personnel issue. And those two, a wonky scheme and bad personnel leads the Blazers to being a bad three-point defending team. And I know that there is some randomness in three-point shooting. When you shoot the ball from 25 feet away from the rim, the defense can only impact it so much. There is a true randomness because you are shooting from far away. This is um, You don't really need a statistical model to trust me on this, but there are people who have made statistical models to prove this type of thing. The Grizzlies were 13 of 30 from three. And the Celtics were 19 of 42. Both teams shot over 43% from the outside. They're just murdering fools from deep. And I don't... What I worry is that this is a thing that's going to be a problem for the Blazers always with this crew. I don't think it's just like a straight up guys are bad defenders and not staying with their man i think it's like one guy gets beat then the help comes then that helps scramble somewhere else and then you're giving up a three in the corner or there's a you know you're supposed to a guy gets to his dominant hand everyone knows to help jason tatum is absolutely on fire they send double teams to him up oh, gordon hayward's wide open in the corner bad transition defense Jalen brown steps into an easy one Bad transition defense. Kyle Anderson steps into an easy one. Bad pick and roll coverage. Jonas Valanciunas knocks down one. I mean, it's just you name it, they've done it. It's it's so many different things. It's one. It's not one thing to point to, but the thing you can point to is that they're bad at it, and that's probably not going anywhere. But I don't think we need to say more than that. If you watched this team all season, yo, you knew they were that they struggled with guarding the three point line. Um, a lot of teams had a lot of really hot shooting nights. The coaching staff and occasionally the players like to chalk it up to man, they just got hot. But if every team gets hot over the course of a month, it's it's a you problem. And the Blazers guarding the three point line is a is it's a personal problem. They have issues with it. I don't think it's going anywhere. I. It'll happen in the next couple games, so get ready for it. They're going to win games because of either a good luck from the three-point line or playing good defense on the inside. That's that's how they're going to do it. The, I don't think the three-point thing is, is, is really going to change. But that's what we've learned. Blazers are still... Two and a half games back with the Memphis Grizzlies. They're actually in 10th place behind the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs beat the Grizzlies today, and with the Blazers' loss, they slipped into 10th place. The places don't matter as much as the games back. The Blazers are still in position right now. They can, they can make their move, but it doesn't get any easier. Houston, Denver, the Clippers, and Philadelphia next on the schedule. It, it, that's... uh. That'll be six games into an eight-game slate. There's, n- You can't give any away. It's the playoffs. They're treating it like it, and they're playing playoff-caliber teams. We will have shows following those games. We're going to do a Mailbag Monday tomorrow, or today if you're listening to this on Monday evening. Shoot me those questions at Rich on Twitter or LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.